This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Some of the lower demons are kind of, you know, dumb, uh, but, <laughs> but Lucifer is not. And uh, it was very clear that when he showed up, we all, we all kind of went, whoa. I asked an exorcist, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, about the demons that walk among us and the mischief they cause, how he evicts them in the name of Jesus Christ, and how we, the faithful, can avoid tangling with them in the first place on Almost Good Catholics. Welcome to Almost Good Catholics, a conversation about theology and apologetics. I'm your host, Chris Odinians, and I get to ask interesting people who have thought about the big questions to share their conclusions, to explain what we know, how we know it, why we think we know it. I hope this format and dialogue and back and forth may help us approach the truth and have a really good time doing it. Should you want to join the conversation, please email me at almostgoodcatholics at gmail.com. Monsignor Stephen Rossetti is a priest of the Diocese of Syracuse and a research associate professor at the Catholic University of America. Before entering the priesthood, he attended the Air Force Academy and worked in military intelligence. He is a licensed psychologist, PhD in counseling psychology from Boston College, and has been the chief exorcist of the Archdiocese of Washington for over 13 years. He's the author of many books and articles, and I'm just looking at this list. It's very extensive. Most uh, Perhaps the most famous is Diary of an American Exorcist, and his books are particularly on priestly formation and on spirituality. He currently heads the St. Michael Center for Spiritual Renewal, whose ministry involves exorcisms, deliverance, praying, and the support and renewal of priestly spirituality. So welcome, Monsignor, and thank you for joining me today. Chris, it's great to be with you. Yeah, um, it's the, well, I'm, I'm very excited to, to hear what, what you can teach us. My first question is, what does the Catholic Church teach about the invisible and spiritual forces at work around us? Well, the Church uh, teaches that there there is a spiritual world out there, and most people believe it. Actually, they, there was a survey done not long ago, and a lot of people believe in angels. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. It's not just the Catholic Church. I mean, it's a, a widespread, multi-religious belief in a, in a spiritual world. Uh and we as human beings have kind of one foot in that and one foot in the material world. We're, we're, we're matter, you know, we have a body, uh, mm-hmm. but we also have a spiritual side to us. So there's this connection between us and the spiritual world. So it's, it's a very real thing. And I think a lot of people actually, actually experience it. And so we have a very big hierarchy of angels and we have a communion of saints. Are they all around us today? Is my guardian angel with me at this moment while I'm speaking, even though I can't, I can't see that angel? Well, it wouldn't be much of a guard angel if he wasn't with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we believe that. Well, it's a 
I mean, people say, well, it sounds like a very childish notion, but actually it's a, it's a symbol and sign uh, that God really cares about us and is really with us, that God assigns an angel to help us. Mm-hmm. It just uh, makes sense, yeah. you know, that, that the saints and the angels help us, you know, uh, in, our, in our journey through life. Of course, God helps us directly, of course. But uh, people are important to us. You know, our friends, our loved ones, our family members, they teach us a lot. They help us on our journey. So it just makes sense that others, including spiritual beings, uh, also can help us. And does the Catholic Church teach that um, uh, angels are disembodied beings? They have no gender. They have no body. Or um, Because obviously we picture angels. They appear in artwork all the time. Uh, And, you know, I think St. Michael always looks kind of like a a male, you know, is that just an artistic interpretation? Yeah, well, right. Angels don't have genders. They don't have bodies. Right. So uh, they're they're not male or female. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of depictions of angels where they're actually quite beautiful. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. beautiful. Uh, in both a, a, a non-gendered way. So uh, now we typically think of St. Michael as more of a masculine figure to, to emphasize the, the, the strength and power of St. Michael in casting out evil. But in reality, is uh, Michael does not have gender per se. Yeah. Um, and then on the dark side, are demons and devils the same thing? I think I use that word interchangeably, but I realize I actually have no, I actually don't know and are the demons that you combat uh, in your daily in your daily ministry, uh, in the name of God, are they the same sort of creatures that we see in the New Testament? For example, this morning's readings. This morning's readings from the Gospel of Mark. No. Uh, Jesus was was casting out casting out demons and saying, you know, how a house divided against itself cannot stand. Yeah, belief in demons again is not the Catholic Church didn't invent it. Um, many many religions have this belief in an evil force. Um, and at times this evil force is manifested to us more directly, but in fact, uh, the Satan attempts all of us, you know, well, now, yes, uh, demons and devils are all the same thing, right? They're, they're, they're created human beings like us. And then there are spiritual beings and all the spiritual beings are angels there. And some of them rebelled against God. Uh, they're still angels, but they became demons, uh, and, uh, and Satan is their leader. Yeah, and is this the way, um, I kind of get this from John Milton, who, of course, is not Catholic, but uh, is there like one Lucifer led a third in rebellion at some point? And, well, and those... some of this is a theological speculation. We The church teaches that, and, and lots of religions do, that there are fallen beings. Uh, scripture suggests that Lucifer or Satan is their, their head, a leader. He led the rebellion. Uh so yes, now whether or not the, where they got the idea of a third uh, are demons. Now there were angels. Is that that uh, for Book of Revelation that the, the the dragon swept a third of the uh, stars from the, from heaven. So that's a an interpretation of that. Now it's not de fide, you know, as as mm. we say, it's not formally taught, but it's uh, often believed. Yeah, well, I think that's very helpful because the Book of Revelation to me is is such a dreamlike allegorical uh, Bible that is, I mean, sorry, a book in the Bible that's hard for me to take it as literary truth. And I know that some of our Protestant brothers and sisters take that as like, this is what's going to happen. And here, mm-hmm. and then they get very speculative, but we don't, we don't presume like that. We don't know that we just, yeah. Catholics are not fundamentalists in the sense that we believe that every word is literally true. 
Yeah. Uh, for example, I think at one point said that 144,000 right. people are going to be saved. Well, we don't. In some religions, take that literally. Well, as more and more people are born, your odds of being saved are getting pretty small. Right. Uh, but but we don't believe that. So some facts, if you will, or some statements rather, uh, in the Bible are thought to be more symbolic. So do we really think that that there is there is a a lead devil whom we call Satan or uh, Lucifer, who has a personality, you know, he is a person, or it is a person, uh, yeah. if, oh, and yeah. uh, and it has a legion of servants, you know, maybe a third, maybe not, but and they are prowling the earth, seeking the destruction of souls. Yes, uh, we would say that's true, and actually, uh, strangely enough, even though many exorcists say it, uh, we actually did at one point uh, bump, uh, kind of run into uh, Lucifer himself in a possession case, but actually it's a lot rarer than people would, would uh, suggest. That's a, you want to tell that story? That's uh well, I mean, terrifying. It, well, basically I, I won't go into all the details, but simply uh, when Lucifer shows up, he does have a very unique personality. Uh, the power and strength and maliciousness of Satan are a whole different level than the other demons. Uh, brilliant uh, intellectually, uh, and uh, malicious to a, an unbelievable degree and uh, not to be trifled with. Uh, some of the lower demons are kind of, you know, dumb, uh, but, <laughs> but Lucifer is not. And uh, it was very clear that when he showed up, we all, we all kind of went, whoa. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the things you do as an exorcist is you, you try to get the names of the, the head demons present so you can have more control over them and cast them out. So at one point, when the demons were actually weaker and they were giving us information when he commanded them, I said, in Jesus' name, I command you to tell me what's the name of the demon that's that's in charge of this group. And it, the response was, you're not ready for this, Rossetti. You're way out of your league. It's the king of hell himself. It's Satan, uh, yeah. Lucifer. And my response to that was, you know, it is way out of my league and I'm way overmatched, but you know, I'm not your problem. Jesus is your problem. And in Jesus' name, I command you to leave. So it's very important for us that it's not me, it is Christ and his authority uh, and his death and resurrection that casts out Lucifer. But I would say that it was quite remarkable when he showed up. Oh, I have so many questions about that. One is, as a, as a priest, do you act in persona Christi the way you do during transubstantiation and confession while you're conducting an exorcism? Or are you there sort of as an, as an agent who's just opening the door for the, you know, the Son of God himself who's going to um, uh, finish the battle you know, quite handily? And then secondly, um, the well, second let's do one, one at a time. Yeah, yeah, one at a time, one at a time, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, the answer to that is, the answer to that is yes. Yeah. Uh, that uh, a priest acts in persona Christi, the person of Christ acts through the priest in his ministry. And at the same time, what that really means is we open ourselves that Christ acts through you. So both those statements are, are accurate. Uh, yeah. Um, and then I, I know that, you know, when I, when I pray to um, the Virgin Mary or a saint, you know, St. Michael or or Saint, Saint, uh, sorry, Mark, Michael the Archangel or St. John Paul the Great, I know that they can hear my prayers and the one million other people all at the same time who are praying because somehow mm. they can do so many things. It's not like me trying to answer my emails. They're everywhere all the time. Is the yeah. same thing true of Lucifer and his minions that they that he can be messing with humans everywhere all at the same time? 
Uh, first, it's uh, it's important to realize that Satan is on a leash, a short leash, and can only do what oh. God allows. So too many times people are, uh, what's the word? They, they have this dualistic notion of the universe. There's God and there's Satan and they're equal, and uh, Satan's going to run roughshod over. No, God's in charge. Satan's a dust bunny compared to Jesus, mm-hmm. but was still a very powerful, powerful being. So, uh, and, and Satan does not read, demons do not read your minds. People think they do. They don't. They don't read your minds and they don't see the future. Uh, but they're very intuitive, intuitive. Uh, they've been around a long time, good psychologists, and they can, they can guess what's going through your brain. Uh, so, right. So they they have to be observant and they have to listen to your words. And if you don't say it, they can't react. Is that the idea? Unless you unless you you focus the words and intend to communicate with them. Yeah. yeah. So the reality is, is uh, but Satan doesn't read my mind. You know, it doesn't happen. But can uh, well, for example, uh, can the Virgin Mary read my mind? Because I very much like to do silent prayer all day long as I'm going through my day. I sort of always imagine that God or Mary can hear yeah. what I'm thinking. Well, when you, when you focus your, your prayer on the Virgin Mary or the saints, yeah, they hear it. Of course they yeah. do. They're in the spiritual world. And it would be the same way with, with demons. You know, for example, sometimes exorcists will do that. They're just a test to see if the person's really possessed. They'll stand behind the, per, the possessed person. And then they'll, they'll, they'll think a prayer. They'll command the demons to do something uh, in Jesus' name silently. And if the if the possessed person you know, reacts and does it, then you can say, okay, the, the person probably is possessed. Oh, okay. So this opens the question for the tremendous amount of discernment you must make, because not only are you an exorcist, you're also a doctor of psychology. So I think, you know, I was just having a conversation with a dear dear friend of mine who was saying, well, you know, we call them demons long ago, but that's because we didn't have the psychological language of the last century to describe things like, oh, I don't know, bipolar disorder and anxiety and this and that. And I, I think the Catholic view is no, no, no. These are two very different conditions. Yeah, but I would say that, yes, we have come a long way, psychologically speaking. So there were some things in the past that we thought were demons, which are not. And it is very important for me to discern the difference between, say, psychosis and uh, a true possession. But there are things that happen in, in possessions that uh, just you cannot explain it psychologically, you know, that uh, there's just a, in the midst of an exorcism, you know, people have actually levitated in other team meetings. Right. And you've uh, seen this. You've seen this. With I have not. Yeah. Two other teams said they have. Uh, two of our people said they did, but not in the session. But nonetheless, uh, we'll see uh, marks appear on their bodies. Uh, for example, in a very, very recent one, the person, while they're manifesting, started speaking in, in a foreign tongue, which the person did not understand. But we, we taped it, and uh, we had it translated. It was very much a demonic rant. Uh, so they will speak is it a Is it a human language or something else? Uh, typically, it's a human language. But there are, there are angelic languages sometimes you'll get, too, which we can't translate. But this person was speaking, actually, an Eastern European language, which we, which we had translated. Oh, how, uh, and, the, and that person did not know that language? Didn't at all, no. I had no yeah. idea what was, what was going on. That's amazing. So um, so you, well, maybe just, could you tell us, you know, a day in the life, you get a call, you go to a place, what happens? No, we, we, we get a call, but then we put them through the, the process. They fill out a, a long form, get all the details. Uh, then we like to have their parish priest, if possible, pray over them first. So kind of do some screening. 
And then if he thinks uh, they need more, then they'll come to us. Uh, we will screen them psychologically if necessary, almost always is. Or, and, uh, and then we'll pray over them and we'll basically, we'll, we'll see what we, th- we see and, and then make some recommendations. Will we keep praying over the person? Will we send him to a psychologist? Will we say, you know, go home and just receive the sacraments and live a good holy life? There are lots of sorts of different options depending on what we discern as the problem. And then, and then you let's say you find out that in fact this person uh, has a problem with demons, and then you're going to categorize: is it a? You you wrote about this obsession versus vexation versus possession. Yes. Do you want to define those terms? Well, see, most of the people who come to us who actually do have a demonic problem are not actually possessed. Mm-hmm. They have a lesser form, what we call oppression or obsession or something like that, and uh, which is good news because we can get rid of them. The demons a lot faster. If uh, so, there are a few people who are fully possessed, and that that fight will take quite some time. Uh, but uh, fortunately, most people have lesser demonic issues, and you know, a couple handfuls of sessions, and they'll be and they'll be pretty much free. That's a big relief. So, what would you say? Like only about a tenth are truly deeply. Well, it's hard to put numbers out because there's a lot of screening that goes by there. They screen, we screen them on the form itself. And lots of people we don't even see face to face. The parish priest screens them. So it, you know, they go through a, a multi spigot uh, process. By the time they get to us, uh, we've screened out a lot. Yeah. And how, I imagine there's more need than there are ministers in your line of work. Do you find that you're you're overwhelmed all the time, or how is the how's the case? Yeah, no, we are overwhelmed all the time, and most exorcists around the country, if they if they're if they uh, have a an established ministry, they're buried in cases as well, uh, and people are desperate. It's a great ministry uh, in terms of, and you really help people to get their lives back, uh, but at the same time, it's uh, can be can be uh, taxing and and brutal at times, and uh, uh, but it's a great ministry uh, to see people be freed. And I would say most of the people who actually work with a pray over get, get uh, quite a bit better. Many are freed. So, and then I, you said it's taxing and brutal. Do you find yourself exhausted at the end of the day? And, uh, well, it's interesting about that, you know, I don't know. Or, I do, or renewed or renewed at the end of the day, you know? Well, uh, typically I had a young exorcist talk to me and he says, you know, I understand. He said, at the end of these sessions, I'm just depleted. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, that's very normal. I said, when you're when you're facing demons, they suck the energy out of you. So if you have three exorcism sessions in one day, which is not that unusual for us. Wow. You have three in one day. I mean, you're I'm basically lying down on the couch for a while, for an hour, trying to get my energy back. Because they, they do, in their presence, they, they it sucks the energy out of you. Yeah. Um, so how did you how did you become an exorcist? Uh, I like to think God picked me, the Blessed Virgin picked me. Uh, but the, the more mundane answer to that is, uh, as you know, I'm a psychologist. And so uh, the diocese years ago had a potential case. And so they asked me to look at it psychologically. And I did. And I didn't think it was a case of, of a psychological problem. So I said, I think you really need to, to get an exorcist. So they asked three different priests to do it. And they all said no. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> great. So, yeah. uh, so I said, well, I'll give it to me. I'll draw it. And I thought, I said, how hard can it be? <laughs> yeah. Dumb, dumb. But nonetheless, uh, I kind of backed into it because no one else would do it. Yeah. Well, 
thank thank you so much for doing it. I'm I'm how I, I wish more people. It seems like kind of a call to adventure and a call to spiritual warfare. That well, I, I guess. Do you feel like you're saying you're laying on the couch, or do you find that having stepped so far into the dark side of this invisible world that so many of us are completely oblivious to all day long, you then also find yourself in the embrace of God afterwards, kind of the way a mystic can see things that ordinary people can't. And surely you are feeling the two thirds of the, of the angels who are with us and for us, as opposed to the, the one third who are giving you such a terrible time of it. Yeah. Well, uh, it is a grace ministry. I'm, I feel very blessed to be in it, uh, but it's very unique in, in this in, to this intensity. Um, and you got to pace yourself. One thing it does do, is, as I tell new exorcists, is you need to up your spiritual game. In other words, I say, look, I go to confession every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do. I used to do a holy hour every day for, for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Now I do more. Uh, so you pray more, go to confession more. And really, I'm very careful about, you know, watch those little, quote unquote, little venial sins. Be careful about those. So the devil will... will you know, drive a truck through any, any openings he can find. So mm-hmm. you really need to sort of tighten up your spiritual life. So there's a grace there for you. Uh, but it's also much more in, intense. And uh, so you, you need to be ready for it. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that's especially true for you because you are engaged in the civil, uh, uh, spiritual warfare? Or do you think that's true for all of us? One little step, one little toehold, one thing leads to another. Oh, I'm gossiping about my neighbor. Oh, I'm looking at dirty pictures on the internet. Next thing, I have a bigger, bigger, and bigger problem. Yeah. No, I think it's true of all of us, uh, but you might not get beat up by demons uh, direct, uh, obviously, but just, you know, it's true for all of us. Yeah. And so in many ways, one thing I'd say about this ministry is that it teaches you, you experience the truths of the faith. All those things that catechism you say, oh, I don't believe that, I don't believe that. I want you to know that everything the Catholic Church teaches is true. And we experience it from A to Z. Uh, it, and all the, the communion of saints, the relics, the holy waters, the sacramentals, the sacraments, you know, the Bible, all that stuff. Everything the church teaches, I want you to know we experience it and it's true. So what should we all be doing? What are the sacraments and sacramentals? Confession, what else? Yeah. Well, that's the first thing. Yeah. We, 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 the first questions we asked them was, when's the last time they went to confession? Mm-hmm. Is the famous uh, exorcist, Father Gabriel Morth, said, he said, one good confession is worth about 50 exorcisms. Oh, wow. You know? So you, you got to go to confession and go regularly. That's, 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 a wonderful, that's a wonderful sacrament. Scrub you up a little bit, clean you up. Can I ask you, um, uh, just to interject here, I was just listening to um, Bishop Barron's Word on Fire a couple of days ago, and he said that confession really fell off a cliff after the, the Council of Vatican II 60 years ago, that just people felt like they didn't have to do it. Do you think, this is a, do you think he's right, and do you think this is a, a terrible blow to us all? Well, he knows better than I do about that, that sort of stuff. Uh, I have just a little niche, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I would say, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. I, I'm constantly encouraging people to go to confession, and uh, I push it, you know, yeah. to people for those reasons. And, yeah, there are a lot of Catholics who claim to be good Catholics but haven't been to confession in 30 years, and I say, what, what are you doing? What, yeah. what, what's wrong with your brain? I mean, this is this is this is not not smart thinking. Yeah, no, I think people who get into the habit find it just a great relief uh, and such a joy, and then your life is simpler and cleaner. Um, yeah. But I imagine if it's been a while, it would be really hard to get through that. Get through. Yeah, that. well, all I can say to people: look at 
Yeah, we go to confession, haven't been in 30 years. First of all, the priest is happy to have a yeah. what we call a big fish. You know, someone hasn't been gone for a long time. And <laughs> and it, and I, I suspect that you can't say anything that he hasn't heard. Yeah. So don't worry about uh, the, the priest being scandalized because he's heard it before. Yeah. Okay, so confession. And then what, what, else, what else should we all uh, be doing? Well, obviously the sacraments, you know, the, the mass and confession, mass and the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, if you can, I'd go every day. I mean, you would, it's a, the greatest of sacraments, the Eucharist. So, uh, And these holy hours we pray, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I would say in the home, don't forget those sacramentals. You, in the exorcism, you experience uh, the power of sacramentals. You think Lucifer, everybody's terrified of Lucifer. Well, and you should yeah. be careful. But let me tell you something. When he was there, he was out front. See, with, there, was, there were 840 demons, I think, in this one person. And so, 840. 840. Wow. So that's what they said anyway. We, we command them to tell the truth. I think they did tell the truth. Yeah. And so they, we, you know, the, by the grace of God, they're all being thrown out. And finally, what was left was Lucifer and his little cohort of his, like, this, this uh, flunkies that hang around, about 30 of them or so, 35 of them. And so Lucifer and his little uh, regal court there. And so when he's out front and we're going face to face, you throw holy water on him, he starts, he screams like just the rest of them. You hold up a crucifix and he just tortures him. You put a relic on him of a saint and he's just suffering like crazy. He, anything holy. And the demons are just, just uh, beside themselves in pain. So I think it was St. Teresa of Avila said that she noticed that with holy water, it did two things. One, it put the demons to flight and gave her a notable consolation, she said. So she experienced the consolation. She experienced how the demons being cast out. So, okay, to get holy, should I take just a, you know, a bottle of water next time I go to confession and ask the, the Father to bless it for me? And then what should I do with it? Should I sort of sprinkle, sprinkle it around and bless things as I'm going? What's the correct application for a layperson? Well, yeah. Jesus. Well, I mean, lots of churches, by the way, have little uh, containers in the in the in the church when you walk in, where you can fill up your holy water bottle. If oh. not, then you can get the priest to bless your water, uh, which yeah. is fine. And uh, for example, in my house, right when I walk in the door, there's a little holy water font like they have in church. I you can buy them; they're cheap. Yeah. And I screwed it into the wall, and when I go and I'm I'm able to bless myself with holy water, and then I. I well, I just bless my whole house with holy water, which I do once in a while. Uh, and uh, sometimes before I go to bed, I'll throw a little holy water on my bed and then say a little yeah. prayer. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah. That's never I've that's never occurred to me in all these years. It's uh, how lovely and how simple. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so 840. Uh, I, I'd like to ask, how did this poor soul get into this terrible position? Well, I don't want to go through the specifics. I'm not to not yet. How does yeah. a person find themselves in such a, a There are lots of ways people can get possessed. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, step number one, of course, commit serious sins. Uh, that can keep doing it. Uh, that'll that'll open yourself to the demonic. Uh, another thing is, we're practicing the occult, magic, witchcraft, Satanism, all that kind of stuff. Very dangerous. I will bet there's some people listening to this who are practicing uh, sort of magic and stuff like that, using mm-hmm. crystals and and uh, tarot cards and all that kind of stuff. Stop it. That's a clear opening to the demonic. Yeah, don't kid yourself. Yeah. Uh, now, the other people can be possessed 
like, for example, sometimes, uh, sadly, children will be introduced into the occult uh, by their parents. We've had a number of cases like that. So the curse by their parents or introduced to the occult or even dedicated to the evil one, which is nuts, but they do it. So why, are, why, 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 for like a love of power sort of a thing? Or what is that? Well, about? I mean, we've had, uh, we had one woman, for example, whose mother was a witch. And, and when she, so she dedicated her da- daughter to the evil one uh, when she, you know, when she was just born. Yeah. And like us, uh, how do you say it? She articulated that it was for the evil. It's not like, oh, I have a nature religion and I observe the solstice and that kind of thing. This is, I'm talking to, I'm talking to Satan intent. Well, either will do it. I mean, some, yeah. a lot, there are lots of people practicing witchcraft say, well, I'm not into the Satanism and I'm practicing good witchcraft. Yeah. And all I can say to that is just nonsense. There's no such thing as good witchcraft. You're a witch. Uh, you might intend goodness, mm-hmm. but but you can't do good through evil means, mm. which is why the Bible is just so d- death on div- what they call divination and sorcery and magic and all kinds of But they realize it's a huge portal for the demonic. Yeah. Um, okay. And then when a person has 840 demons and you get rid of them, yeah. do they... Do they continue? Do they just go to another place like a game of spiritual whack-a-mole or do they get <laughs> bound at the foot of the cross? Or, I mean, is it like, you know, you drive them into a, a bunch of pigs and they jump off a cliff? How does how does this work? Well, the uh, they go where Jesus tells them to go. So remember, the Lord's in charge. Yeah. So what we just simply say is we tell them to go to the foot of the cross, which means go to Jesus and Jesus will determine. I, I don't have I have no authority to tell them where to go. So uh, that's that the, the Lord does. So. Yeah. But and I would say yeah. we've I mean, I, I would say you know, we've thrown out Baphomet a few times and and Beelzebub, he keeps showing up. So so the, the major demons will, will until the end of time will keep harassing human beings. Uh, some of the minor ones, they may not show up again. I don't know, but that's really beyond my. Yeah, so sometimes we use these names interchangeably. I, I, you know, Beelzebub or Lucifer, I might say like, oh, those are two names. But you're saying for the same person, but you're saying this is a different. uh, Well, again, uh, these are sort of imponderables. Uh, Each one of us has our own experience. My experience was that Lucifer and Satan are the same being and that Baphomet, Baal, Beelzebub, whatever, are different beings. That was my experience in this tough case uh, but I've had other extras say, well, no, I've experienced something different. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Sure. And you said that Lucifer is on a short leash. Do you have Very. any, what, what, what does the church teach about why? Like, why is he permitted to? Okay. Yeah. So much so this is a great question. People say, well, I don't believe this Monsignor Rossetti because God would not allow these demons to do such bad things. Yeah. My response to that is nonsense. God allows human beings to do worse things. In other words, human beings can do things to other human beings that God would not allow demons to do. Human beings can kill each other, maim each other, do all sorts of really ugly things, and do, I might add. Whereas, typically, God does not allow demons to maim us or to kill us. He tries to get us to do that to each other. So, actually, uh, what human beings do to each other is a lot worse. Yeah, and these these are creatures. Do they have? They must have free will, right? Because on the one hand, we some people say angels have no free will, but if a third of them would rebel, clearly that's some kind of free will that's going on. Well, yes, they do have free will, but I think what that other person might be referring to is that once they once they chose evil, 
they they'll never come back from it. And that doesn't seem fair. But let me give you an example. I was in yeah. the midst of an exorcism, and I was you know doing doing my thing, and I. I and I command the demons sometimes to tell me the truth if it's going to help me in the exorcism. So I said, in Jesus' name, I command you, tell me the truth. Did you make a bad decision when you rejected God? Oh, wow. And the demon snarled and said, yes. Yeah. I said, okay, now, in Jesus' name, I command tell me the truth. Are you suffering now because of it? And the response was, yes. Okay, one final question. In Jesus' name, I command tell me the truth. Would you change your decision if you could? And he says, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no, so there's no redemption for the. No. No. And here, here's, here's why, in other words, when the angels made their choice, unlike human beings, they were given full knowledge of all the ramifications of their choice, and they still chose to do evil. So they're, they're confirmed in their evil choice. Yeah, that's hard to imagine. Like, what the heck are they thinking? Well, that's the whole mystery of evil. I mean, evil is such a lousy idea and it's just strictly stupid and dumb. Yeah. And And yet people keep doing it. Yeah. For self-love, I suppose. And uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of sort of, you know, speculation, but yeah, people keep doing it. I mean, human beings are committing sins all the time. Yeah. Bad idea. Yeah. Um, I I had a thought and I I think I lost it. Um, Oh, I know. Uh, in uh, in C.S. Lewis' Screw Tape Letters, uh, which is just a very funny but thought provoking um, discussion between a lower demon and, and his uncle, a higher demon. Uh, there's there's a moment where the higher demon says, like, "Well, if Satan apologized tomorrow, the war would be over." At which point he's punished at this sort of internal, uh, you know, they call it C.S. Lewis calls it the lower archy, and so he's punished for saying this um, blasphemous. Not even blast, whatever the the opposite of whatever the correct doctrine is of, of hell, uh, mm-hmm. and he says, "Never mind, forget what I said. I didn't mean that at all. Of course, uh, we're going to win the battle." So you know, it's almost like uh, some kind of terrible twentieth century um, dictatorship where you just have to tell lies all the time, and everybody's out to get everybody else, and they claw at each other as they fight there. But there is this idea that if only Satan could ever apologize, which obviously is not possible given what you said that C.S. Lewis sort of invented there. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, I think all people would like to say, wouldn't it be great if we all were saved? And wouldn't it be great if all the angels were saved? But the response to that, of course, is that if you did that, we'd all be basically have no free will and be more like robots. Mm -hmm. Uh, God gives us his grace of free will, and that allows us to love. If there's no free will, there's no true charity and love. So... This just allows us to be who we are called to be in the greatness of our calling. But there is, a, there is a downside. There's a real choice. And that's what I would say to most people. That's really what life is about. In the end, choosing God and life and, and, or, or choosing death and hell. Uh, and that, and that's, in the end, that's what your life is. You do one or the other. Yeah, and it's interesting that so many of us, you know, I— uh, so many of us don't really think about it in those terms. We just sort of sleepwalk through it and then it's over. Right. And that's unfortunate. At some point you ought to sit down and say, you know, what is my life all about? And by the way, you're going to die. Got You got a plan. I remember talking to one guy who was in the 70s. He wasn't going to church and doing nothing. And finally I said to him, you know, uh, I see you in your 70s, which I am now about two, by the way. I said, uh, you know, got what's your plan after death? 
he says, I'm not into religion. I said, I didn't say anything about religion. I just yeah. simply asked you, I said, what's your plan? I mean, what, what have you thought about it? I mean, he got mad against I'm not into religion. I said, well, I didn't <laughs> ask you about that. I just said, what, what, what's your plan? And the next day he showed up in church. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was a good question, right? Sometimes people want the question and not the answer. And uh, yeah. help, well, they, they say, well, I remember one guy, one youngster said to me, the guy in his thirties, I think, or 20, he said, uh, he said, well, we can't know. We can't know. I said, actually, we can. I said, there, he said, yeah, we can. I said, there's a book. Really? He said, yeah, there's a book. It's called the Bible. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a, another funny line where Al Pacino plays the devil and the devil's advocate, and he boasts that his greatest achievement was convincing the world that he didn't exist. Do you think that he's right, uh, you know, the Al Pacino version of Satan about our world yeah. today, that people just, we, we're so materialistic and we just believe in what, what I see is, is all I can. And is, it, and is it different in other parts of the world? Because when I lived in West Africa, in, in the country of Mali, people really took devils seriously. They did not go out at night into the desert, stuff like that. They're like, yeah. they, they really believed that this was closer. Yeah, you can overdo it, of course. And some people see demons everywhere, which is not, not helpful. Uh, but uh, I would say, by the way, that movie, The Devil's Advocate, he... Al Pacino, his demonic rant in that thing was amazingly yeah. accurate and really almost frighteningly, frighteningly accurate. Uh, so it really was quite something that movie in terms of depicting Satan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that uh, even some people in the Catholic Church, you will find uh, priests and bishops who don't believe in it. <laughs> a famous story, Father Gabriel Morth, again, that famous exorcist who's gone mm -hmm. to the Lord now in Rome. He was talking to a Vatican cardinal. And the cardinal says, I don't believe in all that devil demon stuff and possession and stuff. He <laughs> says, well, your eminence, I have a book I want you to read. Yeah. He said, well, what book is that? He said, the Bible. <laughs> you know, I mean, as you mentioned in the beginning, if yeah. you are honest about reading the Bible and don't just, if you're honest about it, it's pretty obvious yeah. uh, that Jesus and the Bible are very clear about the reality of Satan and evil in the world. Well, for me, the Bible is quite miraculous because whatever the daily reading is, is usually something that I needed to hear or I'm thinking about anyway. So I think for many of us who try to open up the Bible every morning in a holy hour or something like that, you really have in this interesting conversation, which is absolutely defies the expectation and the imagination. And yet here it is in tiny miracles all day long, every day. But I think if people are distracted by the high speed of daily life and all the noise and so on, you're like, what, why would I read this book? It's 2,000 years old. Who cares? Yeah. Um, but, if, but in your daily life, like you see things that are way more dramatic and really grab you by the lapel and have no earthly explanation. Because every miracle I see, somebody else could say like, oh, sure, fine, that's a coincidence. But the miracles where you see where somebody, like the things you describe where, um, you know, a, a, a demon has scratched across somebody's back or made them throw up disgusting things or speak in ancient, speak in tongues from other parts of the world that they do not know. Yeah. That that's such a, a such a I mean in a in a scary way, but it's a real testimony to the to the reality and proximity of this whole spiritual realm. Well, it is, and I remember I was working with a a, a family who were essentially not believers, and their house was infested by demons. Turns out the the previous owner had been practicing the occult, mm. and also was a child molester, so the house was infested. And they move into that house and just literally all hell broke loose. 
And you just everything is like a bad movie. You know, they were so terrified what was going on in that house. They were all sleeping in the master bedroom together. So they had a the priest come in and exercise the house. God bless them, did it twice. And the, they've been fine ever since. But these people are now, they said, they're in the front pews of their church on mm-hmm. Sunday. They, they learned the hard way uh, that there is really uh, a God and there is really also a, a, a demon. That could help answer that first unanswerable question is why does God permit this? It could be that when we're too comfortable, we have a illusion of self-sufficiency. But when we find ourselves in distress, then we go right back to God. Yeah, and also... Uh, we see us in the lives of the saints and all of us in some ways. When we triumph over evil, when we reject temptation, we reject the evil one, which all of us must do, we grow in holiness. So it's a way of, it's kind of like spiritual exercising, you know. The, it, uh, you got to work at it, but the Lord gives you graces. And when you succeed and, and, and triumph, and by the Lord's grace, you grow holy and stronger in the faith. Um, yeah. Uh, what other uh, do you have uh, interesting uh, anecdotes that would you know be really surprising to people who don't think about your um, life and work that uh, you know things that you've seen over the last few years that you'd like to share or well I would I don't say expect, I don't want to make it into a spectacle but for me it's just so amazing yeah yes uh, and there's a lot online by the way by I mean Father Gabriel Morth whatever's got some stuff online some great books. Um, you know, obviously we, we, we maintain confidentiality, which the church insists, sure. of course, we want to, too. Uh, but I guess one of the great parts of this ministry is to see people freed up and they are mm-hmm. just so grateful because the demons are tormenting them. Mm-hmm. And when they're freed up, it's been, it's quite, that's probably your, your biggest, uh, affirmation is when someone comes in, they've been tortured for years. And when you finish with them, is their life is. They got their lives back, you know, that uh, it's such a grace and such a, an affirmation that uh, I'm grateful for this ministry uh, that's come to me. I thank God for it. Do you find that people uh, end up going back to old patterns or once they're free, they're free? Uh, I don't see people relapse much. I, we had one person do that. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, the, it's a grueling process uh, and... Uh, we have them practice the faith, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. So it's a long conversion process. Uh, so it's it's rare from my perspective that they would relapse, uh, but it does happen. Yeah. Well, I, you have answered uh, all of my questions. Is there anything else that you would like our, our listeners to know or to remember from, from your time? Well, I would just say one thing, uh, uh, trust in Jesus is most, probably the most important thing we tell people. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus your whole life. And also invoke the Blessed Virgin Mary, whether saying the rosary or, or just asking the... Mary's very close to Jesus, of course. No one's closer. And uh, she's got his ear. So uh, we love the Virgin Mary. All exorcists do. And uh, so ask the Mother of God to help you, the saints and angels. But, but again, ultimately, trust in Jesus. Jesus Lord. Jesus won the battle. And uh, so we have great confidence. When I walk into an exorcism, it's like going into a baseball game when you know the result. You know the one. We know the one in the game. We know how it ends. So I'm pretty relaxed about the whole thing. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Now, why is Jesus died, rose, he ascended into heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit? Um, Is there a difference between the time when Jesus was here as in, you know, in, in the 
uh, as a human being and his role now, I feel he's more distant and the Holy Spirit is in his place and we talk to him through intercession. How how do you think that works? Actually, Jesus is closer to us now Hmm. because in the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we receive his body and blood in the Eucharist. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus is closer to us now than he than he was when he walked the earth. So we are blessed to live in the time we do. But you're right. We don't physically see him typically. Uh, but in fact, we are. Uh, it's a wonderful blessing to 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 know the Lord in our hearts and, and to have him dwell in us. Yeah. And to eat his body and drink his blood and have yeah, him live in great, our It's great. It's great. Wonderful. Heart. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Father. Would you say a blessing for our listeners and their families? And our yes, I, I pray that each one of you is able to listen very carefully and follow your, guard, your guardian angel who speaks to you from the Lord. I pray that the Blessed Mother would spread her mantle over all of you and protect you as a, a beautiful mother does. But may the power of Christ, the death and re- resurrection of Jesus, free you from any evil, and may you, the blood of Jesus wash over your heart and mind, healing, purifying, sanctifying. And may you all one day come to the fullness of life in the kingdom. And may Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Nails, spear shall pierce him through the cross. Be born for me, for you. Chris Odinitz and Monsignor Stephen Rossetti recorded this conversation on January 23, 2023. It was the feast day of St. Marianne Cope, the German-born American nun who worked in a leper colony in Hawaii. She's the patron saint of outcasts, lepers, people with AIDS, and also of the Aloha State. St. Marianne, pray for us all, especially during this pandemic. Our music comes from Josh and Margot of the Great Space Coaster Band, www.gscoasterband.com. Our logo, the dog carrying the torch, comes from the website of the Dominican Friars of England, Scotland, and Wales, www.english.op.org. I'm Chris Odinitz. Please email me at almostgoodcatholics at gmail.com. I thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing.